0: How many have been praying bold prayers with us this week amen come on now Uh, pray listen if you weren't here last week one of the things that we did was we uh, took a note card and we wrote bold prayers on it i have i have so much need in my life i took four cards for me if you only took one i'm glad you have it all together but i needed a lot i needed like an entire composition notebook um uh, but we're praying bold prayers, and our staff has been praying for you. We're going to continue praying for you uh, that God does great things in your life. Why write it on the card? There's, there's no magic in the card, okay? And uh, there, there's no, if you didn't get one of these, uh, we probably have one laying around. If not, you can get one at CVS or Walgreens or the corner store. There's no magic in the car, but. There is something powerful for writing down what you're believing God for and keep it in, in front of you and continuing to pray a bold prayer. I don't know where you put these. These are in my Bible, so every morning when I open my Bible and I'm praying and I'm reading, I pull them out and I read through all of these. Uh, maybe you want to keep it, some of you, uh, right there on your dash where you can read it and, and, and also remind you not to speed and all those things. Uh, maybe it's on your mirror maybe you pray ladies while you're getting dressed in the morning and you want to keep it on your mirror might be a good thing when you to keep you from killing your kids (laughs) pray instead you know what I mean Uh, maybe one of your bold prayers is Lord don't let me kill them today I don't want to go back to jail so (laughs) but there's no power in the car but there's power when we pray bold prayers and and um And so here in a minute, I'm going to talk to you about how uh, God did a miracle this week, just two days ago. Uh, It's going to blow your mind, I'm I'm telling you. So here's where we've been. We've been in Acts chapter 4, talking about the disciples. Uh, and Jesus is gone. He's ascended to the heavens. The Holy Spirit has fallen, and they go out and they start preaching, and they start witnessing, uh, and miracles are happening, signs and wonders. They're walking into the temple one day. They're going in there to pray, and a beggar who is a lame man Reaches up and he says, hey, uh, can you guys give me some money? And Peter and John say, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I give to you. Rise up in the name of Jesus. And they reach down and they grab that man by the hand. They lift him up off of his mat. He takes off running for the first time in decades. And he's, and he's praising God and he's shouting and he's declaring the works of God. And th- th- everyone's shouting and everyone's happy except for the Sadducees, the, the, the religious rulers. They arrest them, and they put them in front of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin had the power to have them killed, have them flogged, have them whipped, have them thrown in jail. And they say, listen, who, by whose name did you do all this? And they say, well, we did it in the name of Jesus, whom you crucified, but whom God rose from the grave and who is now ascended to the right hand of the Father. And they just get preaching the message of, of Jesus right there to the very people that killed Jesus. These dudes are, these are some bad men right here. Fishermen to bad men. They said, listen, the guy's healed. We can't argue with it. We can't try to. What they wanted to do was discredit the miracle, say, well, he, you know, he wasn't really healed, but they couldn't argue with it because everybody knew this particular beggar. And so they couldn't argue with this miracle that had taken place. So they said, listen, get out of here, but just stop preaching in the name of Jesus. They're <laughs> like, we're not. We can't, are you kidding? We cannot stop preaching in the name of Jesus. We cannot stop talking about what we have seen and heard and how you killed Jesus. We can't even stop telling people that. And so they go out and they start preaching again. But before they do that, they go back to their church. They go back to their life team. They go back to their small group. And they gather together and they start praying again. When you go through things in your life, highs or lows, It is important that you always find yourself back to the house of God or a life team to give glory to God and to be strengthened once again. Because high points in our life can sap our strength, and low points in our life can sap our strength. And so always get back to a place that can build you up again. And that's what they did. And they start praying. God, and and I love this. The, The Bible says that the Sadducees were amazed at the boldness of these ordinary men. And yet they come right back, we talked about this last Sunday, and they start praying for more boldness. Like you were just bold. Like this is one of the most bold things ever. And yet they're praying for more boldness. Why? Because boldness is not a destination. It's not something that you obtain for life. It is a decision that you make every single day. I'm going to be bold for Jesus today. I'm convinced that, uh, and then they started praying for, for miracles and for God to do signs and wonders. I- I'm convinced, you see, that what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. you praying small prayers. You, you, maybe you just believe that God only answers small prayers. If you're praying big prayers, though, man, it reflects it. I believe that my God is able to answer big things. Pray big, bold prayers in your life. Uh, and, uh, you know, bold prayers Honor God, and God honors bold prayers, and we've got to get that in our heart. I'm going to pray bold prayers, not just for me, not just so God can help me, but because when I pray bold prayers, it honors God. It lifts him up and says, God, I know that you're capable of this. So we pray bold prayers. So we've been praying. We've been writing on our cards, and this week uh, we were in staff meeting. God dropped a specific couple in uh lindsey's heart and she called them and uh but i, I don't want to give you the whole story i'm going to play it on video and i'm going to tell you it's this it's several minutes long but can i ask you to hang in there with me it's going to be worth it um this is a couple from our beaumont campus but they served here for many many years now they're in beaumont uh, and if we're ready guys let's roll that video Hey, good morning, Triumph Church. Uh, I am standing here with my good friends, Ed and Crystal Banker. They are longtime members of Triumph, been serving here at Triumph Beaumont for many, many years. As a matter of fact, I interrupted them because they were out teaching and training uh, new children's teachers today. So thank you all for taking time out of that to come and share your story with us. Um, So, uh, Crystal, uh, a couple of years ago, you got a really bad diagnosis and, and I want you to tell me a little bit about what that was, what the doctor said to you, and, and what it meant.
1: Okay. It's actually called pulmonary arterial hypertension, but I'm going to say P-A-H for short because it's really long.
0: PAH.
1: PAH. Okay. And it's a rare terminal disease that doesn't have a cure. It doesn't have a surgery. Uh, there's treatments that they can do to increase life expectancy, but... The life expectancy, when I was told that I had it, was only three to five years, and that was if you did your treatment perfectly.
0: And that was two years ago, right? Yes. About two years ago. So I want you to grasp this. Two years ago, she's told that she has three to five years to live, five if she does all of the treatments uh, because of that long word you just said. Right. Three to five years, you're two years into it. That means you have one to three years left to live right uh ed tell me about you you know your family a little bit what kind of as a husband and a father what that meant to you
2: well you know all my family lives in colorado so i've got my wife over here the doctors literally told her that she needs to go ahead and start planning her funeral all my family lives in colorado so it's like i'm trying to figure out how i am going to take care of my family how am I going to take care of my kids? How am I going to, you know, make everything work? She's over here, but kind of making me laugh a little bit because she's like, "At my funeral, you better have Pastor Ren, and you know, he needs to do a sermon. I want people saved at my funeral, you know." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs>
1: going to go out with a bang.
2: <laughs> but you know, as a husband, it's like I can't accept that. I just, I just. I'm not willing to listen to it. I'm not willing to talk about it, and she's like, "Baby, I know you don't want to talk about this, but blah 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 blah." You know, and I'm like, "Okay, well, I gotta listen to it. I gotta give her the attention that she deserves." You know, the honor where honors do, and um, it was it was just being torn uh, between all kinds of different things, not including general life, right, uh, work and everything else. So,
0: because life is still going on. Yes. And you have. Um T- tell me the, the ages of your kids when you found this out.
2: Uh, Jaden was 9 and Kira was 10. Okay. And so how do you tell a 9 and 10-year-old that their mama only has a couple years to live? It's uh, not something that anybody, I, I hope that nobody ever has to go through that.
0: And this is what you, you've been living for two years. Tell me, so he is trying not to be, but he's in denial,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not wanting to talk about it. You guys are very private people thank you for coming up here today. I know that you're very private people, but tell me what you're going through, what you're feeling as you're hearing the doctors and you realize this is terminal and there is no cure. There is no, there's nothing they can do.
1: It was, it was an emotional roller coaster because I thought, you know, I have to be strong because I want, you know, I don't want my family to be afraid of being without me. I want them to live their lives and still, you know, fulfill the plan that God has for them. And, so there was a lot of crying in the car when <laughs> nobody was around and right. trying to be strong and just talk about it like it was a normal thing, but it was scary. Uh, just the thought of it was, it was terrifying, but then I thought, you know, it's the biggest thing is, you know, I know will be with the Lord, the biggest thing is, you know, what's going to be left of my family and, mm-hmm. you know, what are they going to go through? And I just, just the thought of that made me,
0: you know. Now, my understanding is from you that uh, you didn't really even want to see the specialist because... They couldn't help you, so there was no sense in going through all the processes and the, the surgeries and the things that they could do, the procedures, and so you didn't even want to do that. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I kind of felt like at times I was also feeling like I'm a bad Christian, I don't have faith, I don't have hope because I've accepted it, I'm making funeral plans, and then my faith, you know, my faith gets strong, and then, you know, I also didn't want to go through, you know, they said you're stage three, the treatment is difficult, things like that, and... So, it was like, you know, I just it kind of, you know, accepted it, but not accepted. It was back and forth.
0: I, I, can't, I can't even imagine. And so, Ed, did you finally make her say, we're going to go do the procedures and stuff, or, or what?
2: Yeah. Well, actually, uh, with all that going on, God, the Lord gave, gave her the courage to do more research. Okay. And with her doing more research, we found out that uh, UT Southwestern in Dallas specializes in the field of PAH. Okay. And... Uh, she brought it up to me, and I was like, babe, we've got to do that. You know, and She tried to get referrals from our doctors here, couldn't get it done, so we ended up calling our insurance company directly, and we just went out on a limb and did it ourselves.
0: Right. So now let's back up. This summer, uh, you went to church kids' camp right. again to help <laughs> take all of our wild childrens <laughs> to kids' camp. And while you're there, tell me what happens.
1: Well, kids' camp is phenomenal. There's a lot of praying. The presence of God is just so strong, and it's really good just as good for the adults as it is for the kids. And in one of the services, uh, Pastor Brandon said that he felt like the Lord told him that uh, he was going to heal me. And I got, you know, Eddie told me that, and Pastor Crystal told me, and I was like, yeah, I received that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But still, there was in the back of my mind, like, I still need to, you know, have things planned out just in case. <laughs> but yeah. um, so
2: I'd like to paint a picture real quick. Okay. Okay. Here we are serving in church, coming to, to Beaumont Tribe, being in the sermons, doing this, going to children's church camp, doing all this kind of stuff with all this going on. There comes a point in time where you just have so much emotional stuff going on that you become somewhat disconnected. You're not sure what's going on. You're not sure what God's doing. You're not sure what you're supposed to do how you're supposed to get everything worked out. So, you know, for me, at church camp, I was at that state where I was somewhat disconnected, okay? I was still interacting and doing everything like I would normally do because we're making an impact in our children's lives. But me emotionally, personally, I was disconnected until Pastor Brandon came up and said, hey, the Lord just told me that your wife is healed. And that was just a relief.
0: So that was... Uh, earlier this summer you go in on Friday to Dallas to get a procedure done what are they supposed to be doing in this procedure
1: okay so this this was uh, six or seven tests later I did several tests and this was after the heart doctors the lung doctors and everybody you know said the same thing well this particular test was called a right heart catheterization and they go in your neck and they stick a lot of tubes down in there and it's kind of scary but They go inside your heart and they measure the pressures and uh, just test everything. Right. And this is the the last final test. Like, there's no other test that you can do.
0: This is it. Yeah. This is it. So, after this, it's just going through the process, walking out the road, and either God heals you or we're headed for a funeral. Right. Correct? Okay. So, on Friday morning, we're praying with our staff and we're praying. For God to do great miracles in, in the lives of our, our church people. And while they're praying, God drops your face in Pastor Lindsay's heart. So she immediately picked up the phone. We didn't know. Now, to be clear, we did not know y'all we were there. We didn't tell anybody. We, nobody well, knew we were there we for them, the most like, part. Jamie, your fault. <laughs> okay. A few well, people, but we didn't tell Pastor. We're not lucky enough to have known. <laughs> And so uh, Lindsay starts texting, and you say, I can't text right now. So she finally calls, and, Ed, you answered the phone. Tell right. me what y'all were doing when you answered the phone.
2: We were actually at the hospital getting her registered to do the procedure.
0: So, so they're checking in to do the procedure. God drops uh, Crystal on Lindsay's heart. She called. They're checking in. They pray. Y'all prayed?
1: Yeah, they were praying on the phone, and the lady was registering me, and I was like, that's my
0: pastor. <laughs> so we're praying. So she bows her head, we bow our head. Yes. <laughs> You go into the surgery, you come out. You're facing one to three years left, terminal disease. What happens?
1: They basically are dumbfounded. Like they're looking at me like, "Um, "You're you don't have this. The everything was perfectly fine. The the pressures were perfect, and you can stop your treatment."
0: I want to make sure you hear that you do not have it you can stop your treatment you're fine do you know what that means you're going to live and not die we were talking about one to three years and no options and yet God steps in and changes everything in just a moment. This was it. Last surgery, last procedure, nothing else to do. It's just live out your life. And God says, you're going to live out your life, but not for one to two, three years. You're going to live a long time and healthy. You're going to see your family (laughs) raised up in the kingdom of God. And uh, holy smokes, can you feel that? Can you put yourself in their shoes for just a moment when you thought it was the end and suddenly you are living again? Ed, last words. I
2: would just like to impose on everybody that can hear my voice that it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how private you think you are. The Lord is everywhere and always. You have people praying for you that you don't even know about. You have, God will put somebody, uh, put you in somebody's heart and put the right people in place for you in your time and in your measure, and he will do everything over and abundant what you could ever imagine. So keep the faith and keep the hope in Jesus name.
0: Amen. 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 Love you guys. Thank you God. Those two baby girls just got their mama back, Landing their older brother just got his stepmom back. Ed just got his wife back. The world it, what, what you don't know is, first off, they've been serving for years in our tr- children's ministry. She also has given her life to helping in a women's shelter. That's what she does every day, day in and out is he- helping battered women. They have given their life for helping people, and God showed up when they needed him the most. Mm. I, i wanted to take the time and show you that because we come to church and we and we get in here and the preacher's preaching and god is moving and there are things that you may not fully understand but called anointing and you feel and and god is moving through his anointing and his holy spirit is working and faith is being built and you're sitting down the road from sitting to someone and you get this hope that maybe god could help me But then you go home and you're by yourself and the enemy speaking to you and he says that's not for you that can't happen It never happened. The doctor said you've got three to five years. You've already lived two of it You've only got a couple of years left get your affairs in order start planning your funeral And and those words start wearing on you and suddenly faith gets really difficult But God doesn't stop listening to your prayers He still hears you he's still paying attention, he's on the case, he's watching out, and I want you to be encouraged. Don't let the devil get you isolated thinking you're all by yourself and no one cares. God cares. There are people praying, and if you'll let us know, we'll pray every single week until you get the same miracle that Crystal and Ed got. He is still a God that does big things. What are you praying Every time you pray, you are prophesying over your future. What are you praying? What are you prophesying? The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 31, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Are you speaking death or are you speaking life? Do you go to prayer saying, oh my gosh, it's so horrible. God, do you see this is wrong and that is wrong? Or do you go in declaring that my God is a good God and he's going to come through for me and he's going to deliver me and he's going to heal me? Speak life. What are you speaking? The, The disciples. They didn't just pray for boldness to live, but they prayed for boldness to speak the Word of God. I want to challenge you that as you, as you, God comes through for you and, and what He's done in your life, to speak about it to other people everywhere you go. We have a mandate to speak boldly the Word of God. Notice in Acts chapter 14, He says, But the apostles stayed there a long time preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. Acts chapter 19, then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months. Acts 28, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense and he welcomed all who visited, but he didn't just welcome them and have coffee. He boldly proclaimed the kingdom of God. Acts 4 and 29, they said, God, give us great boldness in preaching your word. You see, they could not help pointing to people towards jesus they weren't just praying for miracles for miracle's sake they were praying for miracles so that they could point other people to jesus what are you doing in your life are you pointing people to jesus you see i'm convinced that we speak boldly about things that we believe deeply so if you, believe, uh, if you believe deeply that Jesus saved you and he set you free and he delivered you, then you speak boldly about it. Why? Because you lived it. When, when you know that he saved your marriage, you're not afraid to say God saves marriages with some boldness because he did it for you. We uh, speak boldly what we believe deeply. What do you believe? What are you speaking are you silent about God or are you uh, preaching to other people? Here's a starting, startling reality. How many people's eternity is hanging in the balance, waiting on you to speak up? How many people's miracle is waiting on you to get bold enough to tell them your story and start praying? How many marriages are headed for a crash if you don't speak about how God saved yours? But we don't want to take on that personal responsibility. We don't want to take that pressure on because we're hoping that someone else will do it. If I don't, someone else will. And we don't take on the personal responsibility, but that is not what the disciples did. That's not what the apostle Paul did. In fact, Paul recognized that I am responsible for the people in my life. He quoted uh, the prophet Ezekiel who said this. He said, when the watchman is standing on the wall and he sees the enemy coming, if he does not blow the trumpet and let them know that when the enemy comes in and kills them, not only did the sinner die, meaning the Israelites, they died, but their blood, their responsibility, their death death is on his hands. It was a perspective that the disciples had and that Ezekiel had that I am a watchman. I am not saved just for me, but I am saved to get on the wall and start blowing the trumpet because there are people in my life that are going straight to hell and they need Jesus. But I don't want to take that responsibility on pastor because that would force me to get outside of my comfort zone. I'm not a preacher like you are. You're so bold and you, you just get out there and talk you don't think that when I walk out of these four walls that I feel the same emotions you feel. You love me, but the whole world doesn't. disciples they face jail time and time again they're preaching in the temple they get thrown in jail they get let out of jail watch what happens they go they pray God give us more boldness you know what they do the next morning they go back to the temple and start preaching and doing miracles again they just keep going Do you know what happens in Acts chapter 5? They're back in the temple preaching. So many people are being saved. So many miracles are being done that the Bible tells us that they were lining up the sick on the street so that when Peter walked by, just his shadow would fall on them and they would be healed. They were not backing down. And the bolder they became, the more God did in their life. And as they're preaching and as they're doing this, they come and the temple guards arrest them again. They throw them in jail for preaching the word and obeying God. Here's the thing. Preaching boldly requires bold obedience. Well, I'm, I'm just going to live my life for Jesus. I'm not going to really say anything. I'm going to stop at just living it out. And I pray that as people see what I'm doing, then Maybe somehow someone else will preach to them. I want you to live for Jesus. I want your life to be a living testimony as to the goodness of God and what he can do in someone's life. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. At some point we have to open up our mouths and declare the word of God, what he has done for me and what he wants to do for you. At some point we have to speak. But that takes bold obedience to step out. Here's, here's the thing though. Bold obedience is often met. It often triggers opposition. Every time they stepped out and preached, they're arrested. They're arrested once. Don't do it again. They go out. They're preaching. People are getting healed. It's incredible that there's a ruckus going on because of all that God is doing because these disciples were walking out in bold obedience. And yet here they come again. They arrest them and they throw them in public jail. They're trying to make a mockery of them. But here's what I love about God. Here's the thing. and No matter where you are, when you start following in bold obedience, get ready because opposition is coming. Oppositioning is coming in your life. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I, I was 28, 29 years old. We're pastoring in Beaumont, Lindsay and I, and we're trying to build Our new sanctuary over there if you've been to our beaumont uh, facility the old sanctuary is very small it was not conducive for church and so we're trying to build a new building at the same time we're trying to do that um, our charter school calls and says you have one month to get the school ready we want to put a school in the building so the city of beaumont does not want us to build our new sanctuary and they did not want us to have a school and they are pushing back on every side i mean i am fighting people and devils and devil people okay (laughs) You, you, can you relate? Uh, I mean, you know, some of them were just good people that, uh, you know, didn't see what we were trying to do. Other ones were just, <laughs> just you, know the kind, you know the kind. And I mean, we are fighting and we're stressing out. And one day we're sitting there and the school's coming. Finally we get a little traction, but we're still stalled on the new building, but we're working on the school. And uh, Time Warner comes out on a Saturday. They send a guy out to put in a new cable line for the school because they have to have a separate internet. So they send this guy out of Houston and, and he comes in and instead of digging the line, he decides he's going to torpedo under the ground. I don't know if you're aware of that process, but they kind of shoot the line underneath the ground. When he does, he goes through one leg of the power for our entire church building. This is Saturday about 10 o'clock. I'm sitting there studying and all of a sudden the power goes out. I walk outside and I see the guy getting in his truck, peeling out, getting out of there. <laughs> So I called Time Warner and I called our contractor, uh, or Henry LeBrie, who's up and built our building, and, and they come out, energy comes out. In the process, about noon, they're re hooking up the power. Get this, they blow up the transformer. I, I can't take it. I can't take it. I messed up. I'm sick. I don't even know how I'm going to preach tomorrow. I can't study. I'm looking there. My transformer's blown sky high. Hey, listen, I don't know if you know this, but when a transformer blows up, they have to come up with a hazmat and the whole deal. And uh, I mean, it's a it's a full cleanup process. And I'm like, Henry, how are we, we going to have church tomorrow? I am stressed out. Time order comes in. They drop a new we have church. I go to the doctor on Monday. I now have shingles. The doctor looked at me and said, you realize that shingles is an old man disease (laughs) i was like he's like are you stressed out i'm like yes and and so we're fighting and we're fighting and we're fighting and we're fighting opposition on every side but i'm going to tell you something even though bold obedience triggers opposition bold obedience also unleashes the miraculous power of God in your life. It releases the miraculous. Fast forward to, or, or go back again to Acts chapter 5. The, the disciples are in prison again, they've faced opposition, they've been thrown in jail. They, I mean, hey, listen, they got off one time with the Sanhedrin. They may not get off again. They don't know what's about to happen. And in the middle of the night, the Bible says in Acts chapter 5 that an angel stepped in and he, and he pulled them out of that jail. He walked them out of that jail. And the guards don't even know what's going on. They're still guarding the gate. And, and the angel is marching out Peter and John and the disciples right out of the jail. Because when, when you walk in bold obedience, even though opposition comes, it releases the miraculous in your life. It's really a kind of funny story. They meet the next morning, and they're like, okay, the Sanhedrin the, and the council's meeting, and they're like, hey, y'all go get those prisoners. Bring them in here. We're going to deal with them now. And they go to get them. They open the jail, and no one's in it. The jailer's like, I was here all night. I never opened it. And yet they're gone. I was here. They were there. It locked it's still locked, now they're gone. Do you know where Peter and John were? Back at the temple preaching again. (laughs) No joke, another guard comes running up and he says, he says, "Um, you guys are not going to believe this. The guys that we arrested yesterday and we throw in jail, I don't know how they got out, but they're there preaching again. They're doing it again. Somebody has to stop them, but it's not going to be me this time. (laughs) because it releases the miraculous it releases the miraculous um we're trying to build our building we finally get things going we're getting the beaumont sanctuary built if you if you've been there uh, I, you know i'm so proud of what god has done the people the labor all all that went into it thank you for helping us get into that building um but we were right at the doorstep and we had loaned all the money we had raised all the money we could we had loaned all the money that the bank would loan us and we were short we were short, short a significant amount of money. We needed, you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. Now, for some of you, that may not be a lot of money, and the scope of the building project, it was not a lot of money. But 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 for for, for this pastor, that was a lot of money. Can I get an amen? And so, the, but the banker said, "Can't get have any more money. It's nothing you can do. Nowhere else to get it." And so, I'm in the shower one day, and I'm praying. And I said, you know what, God, I just need one or a couple of businessmen that could see the vision of what we're trying to do. And I I just need them to step up and write us a check. And and they can loan it if they'd like to. I'd much rather them just give it. But at this point, I don't care whatever it takes. I just need, God, I just need like $30,000, dollars $50,000, and we can get in this building. I, I've, I've raised all I can raise. I've done all I can do. I just, God, send us someone. And, I, and no joke, in the shower, God speaks to me and says, you write the check. I'm looking at my bank account, right? I'm like, I got $50. <laughs> I said, God, I don't have $50,000. He said, no. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sell your home, and I want you to take the equity, and I want you to give it to the church, and I want you to finish that building, and I'll take care of you, but you give it. So I get out of the shower, I put clothes on, I go find Lindsay, and I say, babe, I think you're going to need to sit down for this. (laughs) I said, Lindsay, this is what I know. God spoke to me very clearly, and he said, sell this house. And give everything we have to the church and we're going to finish this building and I couldn't ask for a better wife it went something like this you're crazy <laughs> but okay we put our house up for sale At our house in Beaumont we put it up for sale hire a realtor People start coming, looking through it. Had to go through. You know how the process is when you sell your house, suddenly you're going to fix all the things you've been promising to fix. We're fixing things. We're spending money on it. And we're fixing the house. People come through. We're getting offers. They were too low. Then we're getting offers. So we're just about to the point where we're going to take an offer. And we're ready. It's like, okay, here it is. We said, God, we're, we're ready to do this thing. But before we could say yes, we get a call from our banker who had already turned us down and he said, not only am I gonna give you the 50,000 you need, but I'm gonna give you a whole lot more than that to make sure that this building is completely finished. We didn't have to sell to those people. We did turn around and we, the, the church ended up buying us out of our portion of that home And we now, the Beaumont campus, uh, the Triumph Church, the Beaumont campus specifically, owns that home. And it's a part of the ministry we're doing in that city. But we gave it to God. We gave it to God, and He came through. Here's what I want to tell you today. Bold obedience releases the miraculous in your life. But bold obedience always requires faith. You got to be willing to step out. You got to be willing to say, you know what, God? I don't understand it, but I'm going to get out of the boat like Peter did. It doesn't make any sense to me today, but I'm going to walk on the water. It doesn't, I don't know exactly how I'm going to do this, but I am going to do it. I, I don't know how to preach like some of those pastors do, but you know what? I do know that I have to say something about what God has done for me. He has put you in where you are. Would you be obedient and step out? Would you accept the mandate that God has given us that we are responsible for those around us to share the love of Jesus, share Our story be an inviter. Invite someone to church with you. Would you take that on? It requires faith. That moment, and I know I'm the pastor, and I'm supposed to have it all together. But I can tell you that in that moment, doubt creeps in. We don't want to acknowledge it because we think that doubt means we don't have faith and that we're not good believers. But let me tell you, faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith. Is recognizing doubt and following God anyway. I finished the sermon last night. I walk, was walking up my stairs. I was ready to head to bed. We had a great day yesterday at our men's conference, but it was a long day. And so I was going to bed, and as I was walking up the stairs, I heard God make this statement to me He said, Randon, I honor bold obedience with my presence. When you are obedient to God, his promise is he will be with you. He immediately took me to do uh, to Matthew chapter 28. I'm sitting here thinking like, how do these disciples know that God is going to be with them? How do they know what to do? How can they just keep walking in, in this boldness, and this faith when they're getting thrown in prison? Time and time and time again. This wasn't the last time they were thrown in prison. They kept getting thrown in prison. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew 28. Just before Jesus ascends into the heavens, you know it as the Great Commission. He says... Um, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. When you're doing all those things, which is what they were doing, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God honors bold obedience with his presence. The disciples knew that if they kept doing what Jesus had said, that he'd always be with them. If you felt all alone, I want to challenge you to bold obedience, knowing that God honors bold obedience with his presence. You're not alone. He's here for you. I want to pray for you today. And in a moment, I'm going to open these altars and and I'm going to ask you if you would like to, to come. If you need boldness, if there's, there might be people in this room that you've been thinking about taking a step in your life, but you're nervous about it you you want to follow god but it's it's hard you need to walk in bold obedience. I want to pray for you today. Uh, our pastors and elders here, these are men and women of God who have walked in bold obedience. They know where you are, and they're going to pray with you that God would give you the courage and the strength to say yes to him and to follow him boldly. Maybe you need to walk away from some things in your life. Maybe there's some sin in your life you need to walk away from. You need to say no to some things. Let us pray with you today. Maybe you're praying some bold prayers, and you say, I, I don't know if I can pray on my own. Hey, we'll, we'll loan some faith to you. We'll loan some prayer time. Let's, let's, let's link arms and link faith and watch what God will do in your life. Whatever you need, these altars are going to be open. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you for Crystal and for Ed and the incredible thing that you did in their life. You gave her new life again. Lord, I believe that that is just the first of many bold prayers that have been prayed but you are answering even now. God, I thank you that you are on the case and you are working and you are doing great things. But Father, give us bold speaking and bold obedience that we could declare your works, that we could speak what you have done for us, that we could share our faith with others, that we could invite others to know you, and that we could walk in your ways, even when it's difficult, even when we face opposition. God, give us bold obedience. I thank you for it right now. Be with your people in Jesus' name. Amen.